This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello, Aston Villa fans, and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. I've just been outside in this bucket and rain, so I'm going to leave my hat on. If that's okay, I think I can do whatever I want because at the end of, at the end of the day, and that's what it actually is here in Ireland. <coughs> Aston Villa signed Pau Torres, and he also gave me a bout of the coughs. <coughs> there we go. I got that one out. I, I'm lost for words. It went with my breath. He took my breath away. The Pau Torres, any other kind of superlative that you can think of, but. Aston Villa have done some really, really good business today. Signed a long-term target of Unai Emery's and Pau Torres. Brought him in from his form, former team uh, in Villarreal. For if John Percy is to be believed, and we often do, because let's be honest, John Percy is a man of incre- incredible repute, a man of incredible integrity, and usually when John Percy speaks, people listen. He said that Pau Torres' fee won't be anywhere near the 55 million release clause. And it actually comes in around 31.5 million, which is quite incredible, to be honest with you. Really, really good business for a 26-year-old Spanish international. So before we get on and we look back at these statistics that I looked at um, some time ago with you guys, let's take a little... uh, I'm going to pull up my notes that I made on on Torres with regards to um, when I was looking at at his tape. Because serious bit of business, as I say, we're going to go and we will talk about Aston Villa's Four centre halves, I suppose, at the moment. I think it's worth it. It is a talking point. Um, and we will talk about those in a moment. But Pau Torres, as I said, Spanish international footballer, plays centre half for Villarreal and the Spanish national team. He's 26 years of age, being born on the 16th of January. Quickly, it, well, I suppose quickly, quickly over the last three years, if that even makes sense. But quickly over the last three years, he has emerged as one of the most promising defenders in La Liga. Combination of physicality, technical ability, and tactical intelligence. You, when you look at Torres' play, you just know that he's he, defense is the first thing in his mind. Uh, and then also progressing the ball up the field is the second thing in his mind. And very much cuts a, a figure of this modern-day centre-back. Um, combination of, uh, yeah, as I said there, he's established himself as a reliable presence within the heart of the Villarreal defence, uh, registering more than uh, more touches and more accurate passes than any other La Liga defender last season. Uh, he had 256 touches 
in the whole lot of last season, which is quite a lot. So remember when I talk about talk to people about uh, about workhorses and about you know the ability to be able to um I suppose grab the name grab the game by the scruff of the neck or or to you know to have that comfortability in 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 owning possession, drawing a team out. Spoken about it before, along with the Una Emery's Una Emery wants us to be progressive uh, in this coming year. He, he just does. Every single player that we get linked with has a higher progressive passing rating, has a higher um, uh, has has, has uh, yeah, has a higher progressive passing and a higher progressive carry rate than nearly anybody in our current squad. We know exactly where Unai Emery. Or we're beginning to see exactly where Unai Emery is seeing the downfall or the, the, the weakness of our team, should I say, is. And that's the ability to be able to press, progress the ball forward without having to go to the wings and carry, carry, carry all the time. We need to be able to pass it through the lines, draw teams into certain areas so that we can create that space and hit them like we did an awful lot last season. Remember last season, it was I always said um, that um, Emmy Buendia was great at creating that space. He was a very selfless player last season, creating that space in front of Ollie Watkins for the likes of John McGinn, the likes of Jacob Ramsey, the likes of Douglas Louise to move into from midfield so that when we got that those passing triangles going, we could get the ball in there and then we would have space in there. Having the ability to or having somebody with the ability to do that further back the field with a good passing range, uh, with also a, a, a good a good um Comfortability factor, I suppose, at being loaded with the ball all uh, throughout the course of the game, being able to take it off our goalkeeper as we do pass that ball out from the back now is really, really important. Um, I said uh, he's six foot three. Um, he is an imposing physical presence. However, he doesn't really get tasked that much with being dominant in the air. He's he's if you were to look at his aerial aerial um, percentages and stuff like that, and the amount of aerial um, duels that he has per game. You'd come away thinking that he's not good in the air. He he is pretty decent in the air. It's just that he's kind of like Ezra Kanza this season. Ezra Kanza hasn't been tasked with being that person to go win the ball in the air. Pau Torres won't be either. Tyrone Mings will be because Tyrone Mings is imperious in the air. He's really really good in the air. And uh, as I say, it's it's like some statistics can be misleading. Statistics can be misleading sometimes. When you go and you watch Pau Torres, he doesn't have a 50p head or anything like that. He can get his head in the ball when he needs to. He can get that ball away. He's just that guy that, that, that likes to stay um, low to the ground, I suppose, really, if you want to use that phrase, um, and be more of that um, that that modern-day defender that's able to play that ball on the ground. And, and he absolutely does it really, really well. Um, he does excel in these defensive duties, uh, has exceptional positional awareness and reading of the game. Anybody will tell you that. He knows where to be. It's instinctual to, to him, and, and that's really, really great. I I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching that for Aston Villa um, because sometimes, I suppose not really since Una Emery has come in, but definitely under Steven Gerrard, definitely under uh, Dean Smith, we were very reactive in, in our, a lot of our positioning. Having somebody that almost has that McGrath-esque or that McGrathian uh, ability to be able to, to to be in the right place at the right time and uh, frustrate teams, block off passing lanes. That's something I think I mentioned about him when I spoke about him previously. Is you know his ability to see that hole or that potential chink in um in the Villa backline or, or where that ball is going to go and maybe step up to be that one or two steps closer to an attacker so that maybe it just gets the the uh, the person that's playing the ball gives them a second thought about should I actually play it there because. 
Pau Torres is there and 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 he's a very accomplished defender and I kind of want to play the ball away from him. And, and when you watch Villarreal, that's kind of what teams did. They didn't go directly for Pau Torres, um, which is always a compliment in itself. Um, really good anticipation skills. Uh, allows him to intercept, intercept passes and make timely tackles in grand, to regain possession. <coughs> Excuse me. Ability to quickly close down opponents to maintain a strong defensive shape um, will make him a very valuable asset within the team. One of Torres' standout qualities is his composure under pressure. Sorry, I've got a frog in my throat. <coughs> I do apologize. Um, composure under pressure. He remains calm in challenging situations and often often makes the right decisions when distributing the ball or clearing it from a dangerous area. His ball-winning skills, coupled with his ability to initiate attacks from the back, make him the ideal modern centre-back. And that's what I've said there previously. So I'm going to bring up the statistics for him here. Uh, excuse the dodgy Photoshop that I did there. It makes him kind of look like he's got no neck. Um, but that's the best I could do with short notice. I've been travelling all day. So I'm going to bring up the statistics here and, and you guys can take a look at him here when we um while 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 I'm speaking through this uh, as well and then I will get your get your comments because I I'm, I'm aware that there's tons of comments in there um Torres exhibits a high level of technical ability for a centre back passing range and accuracy are impressive enables him to contribute in the build up play from the deep positions he's comfortable from both short and, with both short and long passes which allows the team to quickly transition from a defence to attack and that's what I think Guna Emery Wants, to, wants us to be able to change up the pace, wants us to be able to suffocate teams by owning the ball, but wants us to be able to then spark into action and change up and be that counter-attacking team through uh, Alex Moreno or maybe even through a new winger that we bring in on the right-hand side or maybe even a new pacey forward that we bring in up top because I think everybody can agree that's probably where the focus is going to move with our next um, with our next purchases as well. Um as I said, very comfortable uh, which, with both short and long passes. Yeah, I mentioned that there previously. Uh, Torres' ball control is also noteworthy, noteworthy as he's, uh, he can confidently carry the ball forward when space opens up. He can stride it out into midfield. We all love to see Tyrone Mings do that from time to time, you know, when he takes that ball forward and uh, maybe beats that midfielder, passes it off, receives it again, and everyone gets off their seat. Everybody loves when you've got a good rangey defender that can do that. Look, I, I put it in there. It's it's not it's not a massive part of his game. It's something he can do um, because he's so good with the ball at his feet. So it's, it's something that maybe he might be tasked with doing if we are to try and break a high press. What's the best way to break a high press? Move past it. Move past it. It's difficult because teams are so good at pressing nowadays. But if you can move past it, well, then that that's... You know, obviously, that's how you beat a beat, beat a high press from 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 the strikers. You bring it back in into a you, you force them to go into a mid block, and then they're on the back foot from there on in. So if we do have uh, two defenders who are comfortable with doing that, once again, it changes the point of attack as well. In my in my view, anyway, feel free to to, to tell me I'm barking up the wrong tree. Um, areas of improvement, I suppose, for him, not very many. Like. Uh, you're you're always tempted to say the aerial side of things. I personally don't see any issue with him in the air. I don't, um, so I'm not even going to going to mention that. But I think one of the one of the areas where he can develop is uh, he can be quite aggressive sometimes in the tackle, or at least he was. Uh, he was last in the game I watched last season, and it could have just been this one game. Um, maybe he just didn't like the guy he was marking, or maybe he didn't like the team he was playing. But uh, he. Um, he got quite close, put it that way, and and the 
they they didn't forget that he was there. Um, so so he can be he can be aggressive at times, but then I will say other times. Then actually, I'm going to contradict myself because I'm just thinking um, of a game I watched last season where he wasn't as intense. He was he he wasn't as aggressive maybe, and and maybe re- relied on his ability, his his instinct to get into those positions a small bit more. So maybe I'm probably being overly nitpicky when I mention something like that. It doesn't concern me. Don't get me wrong. He's an absolute brilliant brilliant player it's just something you know you always you always have to maybe pop in a little thing at the end if somebody doesn't have an area of improvement um well then uh i suppose uh then we've really made a great a, a great purchase and as i say these are are only tiny little things or that's only a tiny little thing also maybe maybe speed over short distances it's hard to tell hard to tell with him because he's so good at his positioning and i think maybe i'm going to actually remove that from my own notes here and the reason i'll do that is because while he's he the speed is is what it like like it, it while he doesn't get the opportunity to showcase that and he could very well be fast like in the Premier League we might I might look at him and go yeah that was a needless concern that I had because his positioning is so good because it could be it could be my mind playing tricks on me with regards to that but um you know as I say I'm I, I, I'm actually not going to categorize that as being a, as being a potential area, area of improvement for him because he's just so good at being in the right position so good at reading the game so good at positioning and and like it's he does even if he is a small bit slow over the first five yards who cares because he never needs to use it so I'm I'm actually after like that's the beauty of looking back at this you know you can I can always uh, talk myself out of a position if I need to um so look, we've got a really we've got one of the good guys here. We've got a really good player. Um, you can look at the statistics there. Statistics can be misleading, as I've said before. I like to show them because they show they either um you 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 can use statistics in two ways. Of, as I've said before, they can either be con- confirmation bias for you, or they can tell a story that may not be fully true. So uh, they're a vital tool to have, and all Premier League teams use utilize them now at the moment. Um, but obviously, you're going to need to watch this player and make up your own mind um yourself as well. Um, but looking there, as I said, the big thing that jumps off the page is pass attempts, pass percentage, progressive passes. Big, 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 big areas, along with the recoveries, ball recoveries, which shows that this guy doesn't jump into tackles, as we can see by his lower tackle rate. And he doesn't jump in to try and just intercept for the sake of it. So he doesn't he isn't he isn't rash in in, run, in jumping out of out of a defensive line. He's going to wait. He's going to recover that ball when you make a mistake. And then the fun happens because he's going to be able to pass that ball like a like, like a number six or like a pivot. He's really good at that. Um, let's take it. 99 comments. Yowzers. Comments won't even load. There's so many of them. Um, let's get back up to the top here. So, um, JP76 is saying arguably the best defense in the Premier League. A smiley face there might be, uh, might, might let me know, into, might give me a delve into your mind. I, I, I don't know. I don't know we're the best defense in the Premier League, but I think we could be the best set up defense in the Premier League. As in, I think if you were to look at every single defensive player in a silo, Man City are quite, quite impressive. But I think structurally, we have the type of player in there that, that, that could lead to us being really frustrating for teams. Diego Carlos is still here. Um, uh, Ezri Kanza, Tyrone Mings, Pau Torres. That, they're four brilliant centre-halves. Like, they're four really good centre-halves, four very functional centre-halves. And uh, there aren't many teams who can call on four, that go- that, four centre-halves that good. Come the 1st of September, 
Will we have all of those four centre halves? It's yet to it remains to be seen. But I would imagine Unai Emery won't be in any hurry to get rid of any of them, and it would need to be a knock your socks off offer, I think, for any of those players. I would imagine to be able to get him to part with them as well. Um, Marine boy is looking for a winger and a striker. I'd imagine. Um, I'd imagine that there's going to be a lot of links to wingers and strikers over the next two weeks before we get out to the US. Um, probably obviously won't, well, I wouldn't say obviously, but we probably won't have them in before Walsall, uh, which is now, what, 16 days away, 17 days away, 16, 17, my maths isn't great. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's unlikely we will have someone in for there, but who knows, the club works fast. Now that Manchi is here, maybe he's going to do a two-for-one deal with somebody and, and we see what the story is. So all all excitement, I think, for who the attacking options are going to be. Rachel, thank you so much. You like the new visual intro. Uh, I really appreciate it. And um, we're going to try out a couple of things and see what sticks over the next few um the next few weeks, I suppose, before the before the season starts. Um <coughs> Uh, Duncan Kilburn says tremendous signing I say it again we'll be playing three at the back next season Mings and Kanza go nowhere with Carlos to come back in we could very easily be playing three at the back next season yeah I I've, I I don't know if other podcasts said it but I think I've said it since since probably maybe even since the turn of the season or the turn of the year that uh, like what we're seeing from Unai Emery is absolutely fantastic he's making lots of like he made everything work with the players that he had I, I I'm not sure that that's this that's that's the tactic he will play in 2023-24. Um, but even if it isn't, it's fantastic because think of it this way: think of what he could do with the players he had. He can always fall back on doing that again if he needs to in a sticky situation. But bringing in players he thinks can play in different ways, changing up the tactics, being tactically fluid. We've been screaming. We were screaming out for that under a Steven Gerrard. We were screaming out for that under a Dean Smith. I love Dean Smith. I found one of my Smith in t-shirts that I made. I got made up um, that I was going to put on sale for a while um, inside there actually today, which is ironic enough. But, um, you know, we've been talking about being tactically fluid and tactically dynamics where we can change in game. We spoke about Unai Emery when, he's, when he was with Arsenal. He made the most halftime changes of any any manager that season. He's not afraid to change tactics up. We were probably a bit hamstrung last season from the fact that we with a, a lack of depth um and he was getting to know those players. Let's see what 2023 and 24 brings. So I agree with you there Duncan. We could we could at times play a three at the back. We absolutely could. And I think I and um I think that's exciting. I think it's exciting to see um a team that's tactically fluid provided that the players are able to play in all those tactics you know it's it's um it, it's the mark of a good coach the mark of a good team and it's a mark of a team that's very difficult to plan against um uh, 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 yes psk i must paddy was uh paddy was messaging me from um from his uh sejour today and he said geez that guy got it on the money didn't he got on the money you were talking about medicals book for friday or something like that i think you said so uh seems that's going to be the case so fair play to you psk if you want to make yourself known to me on twitter um that would be fantastic <laughs> i don't know if you're on twitter psk but keep popping into the chat i absolutely love to see your stuff there um, you've been right with 99% of everything, if not 100% so far. Um, Ross asks what strikers were being linked to, what strikers are being linked to Villa. Go, we'll, we'll, we'll do a bit of a podcast about that, I think, on a standalone at the moment. Today is is about Pau Torres, but I think we're going to see links intensify to maybe players that we haven't yet thought of or haven't yet been linked because I think a lot of work went into Pau Torres and um, I'd imagine a lot of sangria 
went down the hatch between himself and Monchi maybe last night or the night before to get this one over the line. Um, uh, where are we here? I'm going to scroll down there because there's a bazillion chats. Um, uh, Josh says, that's a great way to put it, Neil. I can't remember what way I put it, but I but I'll agree with you. <laughs> Much conversation right now about should we replace these players? Who goes... Uh, who goes here? Um, does that mean they want to bring in worse players, improving our, our passing and control? Yeah, look, I, I think I think this summer is, and look, what do I know? I, I Like, genuinely, what do I know? But I think this summer is going to be an addition rather than a subtraction summer. Um, obviously, there will be people who leave. There will, there will be people who leave. Um, like, there are, there is, like, they a good team, Josh. Josh will um, maybe he'll appreciate this or not. So um, there's American football um, executive. His name is Paul De Podesta. He's with the Cleveland Browns, and he has a set of guardrails. And one of his guardrails is that you churn the bottom of your squad every year, so you keep hungry players at the bottom of your squad, or maybe hungry players at the back end of your squad. And what I mean by that is these players that when you turn to them in in a pa- in in a time of, of of low depth or a time of when when you're maybe going through an injury crisis, they're going to be hungry. They're going to be hungry. Now, is that going to work every time? I don't think it is, but I think there's valid validity in it with regards to churning the the back end of your squad. I'm not saying you get rid of all of them. You're going to have your war horses that are going to dig into the trenches. The likes of Callum Chambers, who ironically enough, I think might be one of the people to lose out in in the shakeup, but. Over the last couple of years, when we've gone to Callum Chambers more often than not, Callum Chambers has gone, give me a shot, boss. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to give 100%. And fantastic. Turning the bottom of that squad. And, and, and I probably picked a bad example there because I probably I can I can hear the comments coming in saying that maybe we keep Chambers. Um, but you know what I mean. If you start to turn that that kind of um that that middle the middle class of your squad, if you want to call it there. The guys you can go to, you know you're going to get good work out of, and uh, they may not be a starter. They may not even be in squads sometimes, but when you pull them up off the bench and when you bring them in out, out of the cold, they're going to be ready to go because they've done it and they're a bit experienced. I think that we'll see a bit of churn in that area as well, but I don't think we're going to see major, major names leave this team at all because I think the te- I think the, the board, I think Unai Emery, and I think, I, I, I think, I think the squad... Would I think the board new Emery know that it's going to be an addition more so than a subscri- subtraction year? But I think this squad needs that. I think it needs addition. I think it's a very tight squad, and I think this uh, the dynamic is really good there. So if financially and if um, if uh, operationally, I suppose the the, the provided it's some, some sort of Arabian team doesn't come in and bid sixty million for Dougie Louise or a player like that, I'm not saying that's going to happen or it has been linked or anything. But if something like that happened, I don't envisage us really having to go out and plug a hole that we didn't need to plug. Or we didn't, that Unai Emery didn't envisage us having to plug, if that makes sense. I don't know that it make any sense there at all. Started talking about Paul Di Podesta. Paul Di Podesta, actually, for anyone out there, if you've seen the film Moneyball, that's based off Paul Di Podesta. Paul Di Podesta is the man that that thing is based off, the, the set. What's his name? Jonah Hill's um, character is based off Paul DePodesta in that, that film Moneyball with Brad Pitt. Come here for the real, real nuggets of information, don't you? Um, I'm going to scroll down a small bit. 
Tracer Blakewell asks, how often will we see Mings paired with Torres, Neil? I don't know. I don't know. Um, the, I suppose it goes hand in hand here with Darren Gahan. Underneath here it says right fullback uh, position for uh, Kanza. Um, I don't know. Like we, we had this conversation last year, I think, didn't we? Are we going to see Kanza? Are we going to see Carlos and Mings paired, to get, paired together? We didn't get to see that, save for one game. I think it was one game. I think the two of them played together against um, against Everton when when Kanza did his uh, his Achilles. I I actually don't know. I, I think it, as I say, I think at this time of year, I often fall into the trap of going, "Well, we're going to play exactly the same way as last year, and it's going to work." But I'm not so sure we're doing Emery this year that we're going to play exactly the same way. I think we're going to see see tweaks, and you know, I don't rule out the three at the back. Um, but you don't go away and spend 31.5 million on a player and leave him on the bench as your fourth fourth option at, uh, at centre back either. So I'd imagine we'll see them there a good chunk together, Spencer. I'd imagine that's what we'll do. Um, <clears throat> but as as a lot of people are saying here, Kanza is a valued member of the squad. Absolutely, like there's a fight, there's a fair fight on on everybody's hands to get in those two those two centre half positions. There's a real fight there, and that's good. That is good. And, and I think Ezri Kanza has done that before. I think he's, um, you know, when he first came into the club, he was pushed out to to the right back position at times in our, in our first season in the Premier League. Um, maybe that happens again this season. Um, maybe we see all four of them, all four uh, centre-halves play in a game a la Man City this season. Maybe we see something mad. Like we see Tyrone Mings pushed out to left back. We see Con- we see Kanz at right back. We see Pau Torres at left centre half, and we see Diego Carlos at right centre half. And we go, come at us, brothers, and see if you can break us down. Who knows? Who knows? People like it. It seemed to be the fashionable thing for Man City to do. I'm not saying that's what Unai Emery starts the first game of the season as, but it seemed like the fashionable thing for Man City to do last season. You know, maybe maybe there's an opportunity. Maybe there's maybe you and I has a team that he wants to do that against. I don't know. No idea. Um, but, 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 but I love this signing. Just in case anybody couldn't tell, I love the signing, and I'm going to sing as well. Um, I'm going to go down to the bottom here. I'm sorry if I'm, I'm missing tons of comments. You guys are brilliant, and without Paddy here to fill. Uh, to to fill for me when I'm scrolling down to the comments, it's uh, I think it's a bad watcher experience if I do it that way. So I do apologize. Uh, um, Adam asks, where is Moreno playing with three at the back? I think that was for Duncan. That was for uh, <clears throat> for for Duncan uh, in response to Duncan. Um, uh, uh, I'd love to see Matty Cash and Alex Moreno play as two wing backs. Um. I'd love it if we wanted to stifle a midfield. So if you wanted to go into a midfield, I, I think it's more so how do they play? I, I, I'm not concerned with the three, the, the three at the back with, with the two of them. I'm more concerned with, not even concerned, but I'm more even excited nearly at how we play in midfield. Do we tighten midfield all together? Do we play a um, Kamara, Douglas Lewis, Yuri Tielemans? Play McGinn up top off Ollie Watkins? Play the two boys out wide? And do we try and stifle press, 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 press teams in midfield, knowing that we can break at pace with Alex Moreno and knowing that we can stuff that middle of midfield area while having Pau Torres, who I know I mentioned there about short short, um, short space bursts, but very rangy over over, um, 
over medium longer distances. We've got Isri Kanza, who's no slouch uh, running as well. And we've got Tyrone Mings, who's no slouch running. Those three guys could definitely cover as a back three and allow the guys to press like demons further up the field. It's really exciting if we were to do something like that, I think. Um, and it wouldn't it wouldn't negate the fact of having out and out wingers, <clears throat> out and out wingers there as well. And then obviously we could change things up if we needed to bring on a winger. We could easily go back to four at the back, consolidate in midfield, put the winger up, bring John McGinn back into midfield. So there's there's a lot of flexibility, um, I think, in the players that we have at the moment. Dan Bardell did a brilliant, brilliant podcast, brilliant podcast with James Alcott and the Ripple Effect. If you haven't listened to it, please. Give it a listen. I, it's 90 minutes. I think it's 97 minutes. Um, but it's worth it. If you've got a long journey, if you've got a task to do, throw it on. It's a really, it's an easy to listen to podcast because the way it's broken up. And James Alcott is a great, great presenter. Um, and and Dan's, Dan's a great, great talker as well. But it's a really nice podcast. It was done, obviously, before Pau Tara signed. Um, but give it a listen because he talks about multifunctional players. And I'm going to rob that that uh, that phrase off him just for tonight. Um, multifunctional players, Pau Torres and and, um, and and the two fullbacks I have, I th- we have, I think, as well, can be multifunctional in the way that they can go forward and be um, be concise when they, or be... Um, be um, uh, good as well when they're when they're in the transition backwards too. Um, yeah, there's uh oh, <clears throat> one other thing I want to talk about as well is we had an outgoing as well today. Ken Kessler Hayden has gone to Plymouth, um, tagging Finn as on his way back up from Plymouth. Kane Kessler Hayden tags him on the way back down. Um, I wonder who's looking after our loans at the moment with Millie Edneck gone. That's another thing I wanted to talk about. Millie Edneck is 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 gone to Spurs. Um, I think we did talk about that with Paddy. But um uh yeah, I wonder who's looking after our loans management. If anybody knows, if anybody read it, I, I've I've been very slack on on getting news uh, in the last 24 hours just with work and things like that. So if anybody knows that, pop it in the chat there. But I think it's going to be a good loan for him. Um, I would have liked to have potentially seen him go to a team that plays 4-4-2, or sorry, plays with four at the back, should I say. He's gone to another team that plays with wing-backs. Um, fine. I've got no problem with it. But I think the biggest area of improvement he needs is he's, is is defence, defence, defence. Um, maybe Aston Villa have seen him maybe... maybe hey. We've been talking about three at the back. Maybe Aston Villa see that as a way forward. Um, but he's gone to a good team with a good manager and Stephen Schumacher there and uh, a, t- a team that really nurtured and did well with um, with uh, Finnezaz last season. So all the best to the lad and I hope he, hope he kicks on because he didn't have the greatest loan spell at uh, Huddersfield last season. And it was Huddersfield, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And I, and I hope this one goes much, much better for him. Um... Did I say Duncan Louise? I may have said Duncan Louise. Um, right, I don't know, guys. Does anybody have any other last questions for me? Let, okay, before we go, let's talk a small little bit about um, let's talk a small little bit about Aston Villa today. Aston Villa just went, "Hey, listen, don't bother, don't bother investigating us. Look, we're not in it for this crack. We're just going to reduce our um." our ownership uh, amount, percentage of Vittorio de Gomares, and we're going to take our representative off, off the board. Listen, no no stress, lads. What we're going to do is we're going to go in and we're going to win the Europa Conference League this year, 
And then what we're going to do is we're going to go back and buy more of the club again when we're not in the same competition. And then the next time we are in the same competition, what we're going to do is we're going to release some of our percentage again. We're going to take our lad off the board again. Absolutely fine. I, I am in a very anti, um, anti-Sephirin mood at the moment. Um, I know I spoke highly of him after the uh, Super League piece. Um, and I know a lot of you guys have spoken. Uh, we I've gone on a, a bit of a rant about um, about Seferin, the 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 UEFA um, head honcho. I've gotten a bit of a negative rant about him recently. I, I and I and the more I watch it, and the more I look at it, and the more I see see kind of stuff he's coming out with recently. Just he's just no no better than anyone. You know, he's no better than than people we've seen over the last 20, 30, 40 years at at, at UEFA, unfortunately, and. Um, until he proves me wrong, I I just think that there's a, you, you know that um, he's not very much a prover to to like you go in and you look at the state of the Champions League where the Champions League final was was held in the last uh, or the state of how fans were treated should I say with the Champions League final the last two years, um Liverpool fans getting tear gassed, um or whatever it was uh, in 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 Paris, shouldn't happen. Last year in Istanbul. Istanbul in 2005 had the same issues that it had in 2023. Um, it's outside the outside the city, no problem with that. But um, lack of facilities once you get out there, searing heat, lack of ability for people to get back into the city again afterwards. And look, UEFA just need to do better. The Conference League this season is going to be in, in AK Athens Stadium. Irish fans had a terrible time trying to get into that. And the, the the stadium wasn't even wasn't even half sold. Like as in the the, the allocation wasn't even half sold for Ireland versus Greece recently. So I just think that there's there's a lot more. There's a, like you have to need to look at look look at themselves again before they start looking at teams with multi ownership pieces and, and and stuff like that. Yeah, ban it if you want to ban it, but ban it for everybody and make sure everybody faces faces the same sanctions. But you know. Villa have gone away. They've done what they needed to do. They still have an interest in Vittorio de Gomes. I would imagine that one will 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 rumble on. I don't think there's any any ill feeling between either of the two teams, and and uh, I think that there's a there's a, a gentleman's agreement there for um, everything to continue as it was. That's my two cents on that. Um, a couple of people ask me how much can. Um, yeah, PSK, I've, you've, yeah, set up an old fake email address there and drop us a line and for the love of pomegranate, gmail.com if you want. Um, yeah, a couple of people asking how much of Villa to, um, how, how much of Villa to, to spend. I, I genuinely don't know. Uh, prove to me the financial fair play is real and I can, then, then I'll have a go at it. Prove to me it's real and then I'll have a go at it. Prove to me that Chelsea aren't going to get some sort of a whop of a bus financial fair play boss anytime soon and then we'll start doing the how much can villa can villa spend uh game because uh um creative accountants are probably better than 20 goal strikers i think for football clubs at this moment in time and who's to say that we haven't got a couple of them coming in from america with chris heck so who knows who knows indeed right i'm gonna go thanks so much everybody for watching thanks so much as always for listening uh i know i said i was going to do a podcast every day 
and I didn't do one yesterday, which was the first day after I said I was going to do a podcast every day. But I'm going to come back again tomorrow and we'll have a little chat. Anything that breaks, we'll get Aston Villa-wise. I, I think that there's going to be a lot of news over the next two weeks prior to Walsall. Definitely over the next three weeks prior to um, prior to the, to the United States trip. Um, my jerseys should be here on... My jerseys should be here next week. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. If any of you guys have... Uh, have got one already um let me know what the quality is like i i've i've heard some really good reports from so far i've heard other people who've been a bit underwhelmed i'm looking forward to making up my own mind on it and i'm also looking forward to the training gear which i hope they announce soon because i must say i've gotten great wear out of this top since i got it last season i'm looking forward to upgrading it again this season so thanks a million everybody going to see you later on to see you tomorrow should i say um thanks a million for watching thanks a million for listening give a thumbs up if you like it give us a subscribe a subscription if you aren't already subscribed if your mother your brother your uncle your cousin your barber your postman your milkman the fella that you meet down the post office the i don't know anyone anyone think you think that might like this podcast throw them our way we're on about five and a half thousand subscribers on youtube would be fantastic if we could grow that uh, so if there's anyone you know Tell them about us. If they like us, they might subscribe. If they don't, well then, at least they gave us a shot and that's all we're looking for. So thanks so much, everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy, and all that's left to say is up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.